This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. And a good afternoon here. Kelly Colt is with you. Pat Burns here on NFL Friday, week four. I can't believe it's week four, and I don't think the weather knows that it's week four of the NFL season either, Pat. Yeah, it's uh, very warm outside, very mild. Certainly nice for this time of year, but not exactly what you expect out of football weather, that's for sure. Not exactly. Late September games getting intense. It's our first week of bye week so far. A lot of different teams. Six teams are on the bye already. I know it seems a little early. We were talking about this before. It seems a little early to have six teams out. Yeah, it's a lot, too. I don't remember any of the buys being this early last year, but nice break for them early on in the season. Absolutely. And, you know, talking about breaks, we had one team on a short week. One of our local teams was in action last night. And to give us the lowdown on their first three of the year, we bring in our very own Christian O'Harris, Giants Report. The New York football giants are on a roll. After starting out the season with an 0-2 record, some fans were already wondering if this year was the end of the Coughlin-Manning era in New York. However, after back-to-back impressive wins, the G-Men and their fans have confidence again. Starting in Week 3 against the Houston Texans, Big Blue's offensive line set the tone early. They limited J.J. Watt to just one sack of Eli and helped Rashad Jennings have a breakout performance with a career-high 34 carries for 176 yards. The line also gave Eli time to throw the ball as he completed 75% of his passes and threw for two touchdowns. On the defensive side of the ball, the secondary intercepted Ryan Fitzpatrick three times. Dominique Rogers-Cromartie recorded his first interception with New York during the game. Prince Mukamara and Antrell Roll were in on the action as well in Week 3. That much-needed win put the Giants in position to get back to 500 with a win at Washington. They did just that by taking care of business on the road in Week 4. Manning was spectacular, throwing four touchdowns and recording a rushing touchdown. Yes, Eli scored a rushing touchdown. The offensive line was stellar again as Eli was given ample time to dissect Washington's defense. Rookie running back Andre Williams recorded his first career touchdown in a 45-14 route. The defense forced a number of turnovers again on Thursday night. Two forced fumbles and three interceptions were key for New York as they put the offense in great field position for most of the night. Tremaine McBride was the star on defense with an interception and a forced fumble. Antro Roll and Prince Mukamara also added to their pick totals, and Matthias Kiwanuka forced a fumble as well. Now the Giants have 10 days to rest before they turn their attention to the Atlanta Falcons, who are currently sitting at 2-1 on the season. New York will need to take care of business in that game to make noise in the division and improve their chances at making the playoffs. Until then, for WFUV Sports, I'm Christian O'Hara. And you know, Patrick, some really, really interesting stuff from the Giants game last night. I don't know what impressed me more, the fact that they were able to force Kirk Cousins to turning the ball over five times or the fact that Eli Manning had five touchdowns. Yeah, it was just a great all-around performance. I mean, offensively and defensively, this team has really woken up over the past few weeks. I mean, it's it's like night and day. And I think, too, looking at it, I mean, Victor Cruz, he started the season, you know, he was like, oh, I need to get the ball more, I need to get the ball more. And at the same time, though, he didn't really step up. He didn't really step up. We saw him dropping balls in right. the first week or so. And then against Houston, had his coming out game, another coming out game, you know, 108 yards. I mean, that, that's huge. First that's the- touchdown, I believe, in that game since week four of last season, which is hard to believe. It's ridiculous. He's to such believe. a big part of that offense. For him not to find the end zone for, you know, a pretty large majority of last season, to me, is, is unfathomable. So to. Get him more involved here, I think, is a real big reason why you're seeing the Giants offensively turn around. And I think more unfathomable, too, is the fact of how bad the Redskins look. I mean, coming off of the Philly game, I was pretty high on them, I have to say. I was, too. Going on a record, I was very high on Kirk Cousins going into this game, and then, oh, did he let me down. Yeah, I mean, I, I still like Kirk Cousins. I think that, in all seriousness, Washington should, you know, at least seriously consider moving forward with him over Griffin. That's another discussion, but you're right. Last night... 
not well, what any of us expected out of him at all. Not at all, Tim. I mean, you think you had different guys healthy even the week before, but he seemed banged up. I mean, I know it was a short week, but a lot of guys, you know, you thought he'd have the weapons back. You thought he'd be able to build. You know, they almost beat Philadelphia, take that momentum, right. carry it into the Giants, and just not. And they were at home, too. Yeah, you have a home game against the Giants, another division rival, a chance to really bounce back from when it ended up being a tough afternoon against Philly, and they just came out and fell completely flat. It was really surprising to see all around. And I think, too, looking back at the Giants side of what they were able to get done, I think the best part about the game, now that I'm just looking at some of the numbers, was the fact that they were able to get a rushing attack going as well. Rashad Jennings running for 176 yards and a touchdown. Really, I think that helped Eli Manning take the pressure off him. When the Giants become one-dimensional, they're not a very good team. Right, and that's the second great week for Jennings. You know, he ran all over Houston last week, you know, 176 yards and a touchdown, you know, they really had a well-balanced attack going. I mean, Eli Manning even ran one in. Exactly. I mean, look at that, too. And then getting different people involved, getting the tight ends involved, too. I think that the best part of with last night's game is the fact that Eli was able to get to so many different people, involve so many different people in the offense, right. and the fact that he threw for 300 yards. I mean, everyone's already saying, oh, Eli Manning's back now. He's back, yeah. you know, ready to go. But I don't know if I jumped that far. It's He's still had a, a decent early. two games in a row. He's had two good games to put back-to-back. You know, only one turnover in the last two games, an interception last That's night, huge. which is huge for him. I mean, last year, you know, one of the worst, if not the worst, in turnovers. I mean, to come from there to here, you know, two games in a row now, where his touchdowns are six to his interception ratio of one, that's very impressive. Yeah, and we were, as a team, too, we were talking about this earlier. These were two big wins for the Giants to get, especially after starting the season 0-2, you know, to beat Houston at home and then to go on the road and, and take care of Washington. You know, you got to feel pretty good about yourselves if you're the Giants sitting there at 2-2 two and two now with a home game against Atlanta next week, uh, followed by on the road at Philly, then they're at Dallas, then a bye week, and then they're at home against Indy. That's a, you know, that's a bit of a tough road coming up. You know, I think this two-game win streak here is nice, and we're going to really see what this team is made of going forward with, with some of those games that they have upcoming. You know, they're at Seattle after that Indy game. Then they're home against San Francisco, you know, midway through November. You know, these were two big wins for them to get with, with that kind of schedule coming up. I think the question I have to ask is, too, is did the offense finally put it together? You know, there was so much talk in the preseason. We weren't showing everything. It takes a while for the West Coast offense to click in. And then right. the first two games, you see them go out and score 14 points in each game. Didn't look they had it together. You know, two touchdowns for this offense that has, like we mentioned, some of the weapons, Rashad Jennings, Eli Manning, Victor Cruz. To have these kind of players and put out two touchdowns a game, right. it just didn't seem like they put anything together. And then all of a sudden, week three, to see this huge bounce-back game. Yeah, well, they've certainly put it together the past two weeks. Whether or not they can sustain it, again, I think we'll find out for real in some of these matchups they have coming up. But there's certainly a lot to feel good about if you're the Giants. The fact that they've put it together for two straight weeks, I think, is even you know, a good start for them. You know, they've, we all know that over the past few years, they haven't been the most consistent of teams. Oh, no, not absolutely. They you know, it's, been, uh, the up and down's been ridiculous for Giants fans. I mean, last year's 0-6 start. Right. So I think even to just put two games together is, is a really good start for them and certainly something that Giants fans can be encouraged about here going forward. You know, looking at the other side of the ball, too, I mean, this, the cornerbacks here, not a... You know, Pierre Garçon, Sean Jackson, some kind of test for Prince of Mucamara and DRC and the guys back there, Walter right. Thurman. I mean, they definitely had some testing, but I mean, next week, too, the Falcons have some weapons going into that game, that's too. That's a real passing attack. Exactly. I think that's when we're going to really see how this secondary is going to hold up because right now that's been one of their solid portions on their team, especially the last two weeks. Absolutely. And, you know, we saw them get torn up a bit against Detroit early on, and, you know, I think that kind of raised some concerns. But they've really bounced back well over these past two weeks, and... You know, I mean, certainly encouraging again going forward, but Atlanta is going to be a huge test for them. I mean, we don't even need to go over all the weapons that they have between Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and, and that whole cast. But, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But, again, good to see them start to string some successes together here. And, you know, speaking of success, too, an interesting note our producer, Brendan, put in our, our show notes before the show is the Giants scored in the first quarter for the first time this season. I think that's more important, too, the fact they were able to get out to a hot start and not playing catch-up. I mean, other games, I'd turn on the TV, they'd already be down 17 nothing, and it's like, oh, this game's over for them. Right. Eli's done. And they don't necessarily have the firepower to come back when they get down you know, in a hole like that. Even, you know, teams that are successful at that, that's not something you can bank on. 
And so the Giants are a team that when they get out to a good start, you know, they're able to sustain it. They're not a team that can necessarily turn it around, you know, on a dime if they get down early. So strong starts, I think, are as important to them as they are to to any team in the league. So that's good to see. Like you said, we mentioned the fact that the Giants obviously like to have a more balanced attack because you're putting the game on Eli Manning's back. Not that he's not capable. We've seen Eli step up in the big moment. But you have the whole game. You know, you start out down 17-0, down 21-0, and he's got to throw the ball and become a gunslinger. That's when the turnovers happen. Yeah, and the offense at that point becomes very one-dimensional. I mean, that happens to any team that gets down by, you know, two or three possessions. And so, right, that puts a lot of uh, the burden on Eli Manning, and especially when the Giants have the makings of a pretty good rushing attack here. For them for not the to be able to— the first time in a long time. We haven't talked about the Giants' rushing attack in a long time. Right, and for them, you know, when you get down two, three possessions, that takes out a whole portion of your offense that's pretty important to, you know, to, to how you gain yards and how you move your team down the field. I think it's interesting that we bring up the fact the Giants have a strong rushing attack because everything that happened with David Wilson before the season started, everyone said, you know, oh, right. this is going to be the sore spot on the team. This is going to be their weak point. And now we're talking about it as one of their strengths. Absolutely. You know, it's kind of been a, a point of uncertainty, that, you know, going even going back to last season. So, you know, whether Rashad Jennings is an answer long term beyond this year, who knows? But at least for right now. You know, there's something you can build off of there. You know, two very strong weeks. I'd keep, you know, feeding them the ball until you find out it's not working anymore. Well, absolutely. You know, like you mentioned, the Giants have now 10 days off. They won't be playing this weekend, so we don't have to make any predictions for the Giants until next week's show. But, you know, looking at, you mentioned, Pat, before the whole debate with Kirk Cousins and RG3. I mean, that's something we can get into. And kind of spinning off that to the rest of the league, I mean, I think Kirk Cousins does have a chance to be successful in this league. I think he's just got to get some more games underneath his belt. I right. think we're all, myself included, jumping to conclusions based on a very small sample size. And last night was, well, it kind of poisoned the sample size, let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I said a little while ago that I think that the Redskins should consider, you know, at least consider going with him long term as opposed to, to Robert Griffin. And my reasoning for that, more than anything, is just the type of quarterback he is. You know, he's that, that prototypical pocket passer, and, you know, I'm biased towards that, you know, as a Patriots I wonder why, fan. I, say, I wonder why, Pat, you can explain that one I, to us? I've seen Tom Brady do it for, you know, going on 15 years now, and, you know, you look at guys like Peyton Manning, you look at the great quarterbacks that have come through this league, and, you know, most if not all of them have been that, that prototypical pocket passer. It's just a better you know, model for success as a quarterback in the league. You know, you're you're better protected. You know, you don't get hurt as much. You're not putting yourself in harm's way. You know, to me, there's always going to be a place for that in the league, especially with the way the rules are structured now mm-hmm. to favor the passing game. You add that into it. I mean, Robert Griffin's a talented athlete. He's a gifted athlete. When he's healthy, he can do some great things on the field, you know, f- for the Redskins. But, I mean, the, the problem is... He you can't stay healthy, the right, and you can't do it consistently. And, you know, to have a player like that, to me, you know, isn't really worth it. So I don't know if Kirk Cousins is the answer for, for Washington, but I think he's probably more likely to be the answer than Robert Griffin. I don't think Griffin is the answer at all. Well, you know, it's a very interesting debate between the traditional pocket passer and the new type quarterback. And, you know, one game that kind of had both of them together last week was Denver and Seattle. You know, Russell Wilson, more of the mobile quarterback, can still throw it down the field, still has a decent arm, but, you know, he can extend the plays with his legs. Although, as I think I'm going to read your mind on this one, he doesn't get hit as much as RG3 does. RG3 takes a beating when he gets back there. Right. To me, the difference between Griffin and a guy like Russell Wilson is Wilson, to me, is still a pass-first quarterback. You know, he's a guy who has the ability to run, but uses it only when he's pressured to or when, you know, a play breaks down and he needs to extend it. You know, to me, there's a big difference between that and someone like Griffin, who maybe the the Redskins, you know, design running plays for and, you know, who maybe looks to run first more than he does pass. You know, I don't think Seattle is designing very many running plays for, for Russell Wilson, you know, coming off of a snap. So to me, he's still a guy who can – who you know, has a good arm, can, you know, be pretty good in the passing game, but can run Mm. when he needs to. To me, that there's a big difference there. And I think that's why, you know, you're seeing Russell Wilson have have success early on in this league. Well, also, too, when he had success, he beat Peyton Manning again, which is very hard for people to do in this league, you know. Even once. Exactly. The last two times he's played them, he's beaten Peyton Manning. And granted, it's not just Russell Wilson, it's the whole Seattle team. But I think that that game really, the fact that they were able to 
overcome Denver tying the game and sending it to overtime and still winning right. it, that showed a lot to me about Seattle. Yeah, I mean, they had a 17-3 to lead at one point in that How game. How do you blow that and then come back? I feel like once you blow that lead, you're so demoralized, you're so down on yourself, and to come back, it just it's yeah. huge. Yeah, I mean, at that point, I almost, if I'm watching a game like that, I almost never, you know, think that, you know, the the team that just gave up that lead is going to come back and, and win it. The, the momentum to me is just too much on the team that comes back. I've seen it happen too many times, but I mean, that showed a lot from for Seattle for me, at least, you mm-hmm. know, to see them come back from that, you know, it didn't really phase them going into overtime. They took the ball and marched right down the field. Absolutely. I mean, and people were bringing up the debate then, Oh, you know, should we change the overtime rules? I don't think so. I no. think the fact that I have to say, I give Denver's defense a lot of credit. They played very well for most of the game, but when right. it mattered the most, I mean, they Marshawn Lynch just took that to the house. That's I mean, what that it comes just... down to. If you're complaining about, you know, Oh, we need to change the rules. If you're Denver, you know, you have this defense that you spent so much money to improve over the off season, and you know, I think is is pretty good. You know, through three games, you know, you have this defense. Go out there and make a stop. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not exactly Seattle's offense isn't their strong suit. Obviously, it's their defense. They're a very solid right. offense, but it's not like you're going up against a Tom Brady, a Peyton Manning, a Drew Brees who thrive under those pressure situations. Russell Wilson's still a relatively young quarterback in this league. And you don't expect them just to be able to march down the field all over you guys and basically run you over. Not Certainly not if you have, you know, an elite caliber defense, which I think Denver is close to having. You know, that's, you know, if if your defense is for real, you know, to me that was a test to see, you know, early on in the season how good de- Denver's defense really is and if they can come up with that big stop in a pressure situation. And this time they didn't. Maybe, you know, later on in the season they will. But for me, you know, it's not about complaining about the overtime rules. It's about, you know, getting your getting a stop out of your defense and giving your franchise quarterback the ball with a chance to win Absolutely. the game. Absolutely. I think any and any Broncos fan would love to see the ball in Peyton Manning's hands at that time in the game. And, I mean, Manning's been very solid again, too, this year, considering a couple of years ago everyone thought he'd be dead and gone. And then, you know, after getting the Super Bowl last year, there was all the rumors, is he going to retire? And then, obviously, the Super Bowl just, well, didn't end exactly right. how Peyton Manning want to end his career on. So, you know, comes back for another year, and he looks like vintage Peyton Manning again. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't really look any different. I mean, I think... He's lost arm strength since the neck surgery, oh, absolutely. which is, Expected. you know, right, obviously going to happen. But, you know, he's found ways to, to work around it. He obviously has a talented receiving core around him. And that's what I really like about what Denver's done, that, you know, a team like New England, for example, with, you know, a similar aging, you know, franchise quarterback maybe hasn't done as much. Mm-hmm. Denver has surrounded Peyton Manning with the pieces that he needs in addition to the defense, because New England's done some similar things with the defense, but Denver has the offense, too, you know, to support its franchise quarterback. You know, they're all in on getting this Super Bowl while they still have Peyton Manning. And to me, you know, I look at a guy like Emmanuel Sanders who they brought in. He's been huge for them so far. I mean, last game he had unbelievable numbers. 11 receptions, 149 yards receiving. Is I think he leads the league in receptions, if I'm not mistaken. He's, He's up near the top at the very least. And you know, to to for them to bring in someone like that and just for him to assimilate right into a group of already really talented receivers. Demarius Thomas is almost an afterthought nowadays. That's the sad part. He's, he's a great be, receiver. Right. He's supposed to be, you know, their top target, their outside guy who can stretch the field. You know, they just I think that speaks to, you know, Denver's front office and what they've done to surround Peyton Manning and do everything that they can to get a championship for him. And I also think it speaks to a little bit to Manning himself and all the work that he does to assimilate these new receivers. You know, I think that's a big part of his game and what makes him so great that, you know, people tend to overlook sometimes. I mean, that even dates back to his his days in Indianapolis. He made people like Austin Collie, for example. Just look tremendous. Right. He made them legitimate threats. That's why Eric Decker got all the money with the Jets this year is because of what he did with Peyton Manning for the most part. Absolutely. And some of those guys have talent anyway. I think Demarius Thomas, for example, is a Does guy who talent. has talent yep. anyway. I mean, he even made Tim Tebow look good when <laughs> Tebow was throwing <laughs> passes back in to Denver. That. But, you know, so some of those guys have talent anyway. But Manning makes them that much better. 
Well, you know, tough loss there for the Broncos. And another team that almost lost, Patrick, was your Patriots that you mentioned Very before. Very close one this Sent week. Sent some, uh, I guess, chills down your spine, a little heart, a little heart attack going on there. Made it close. Oakland driving for the winning touchdown. And luckily, for your sake, they did not get that, and they were able to hold on. You made a lot of uh, survivor pool owners happy, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, a little too close for comfort. And I will say the defense through these three weeks, you know, they had a bit of a hiccup in Miami to start the season. You know, 33 points is a lot to give up to the Dolphins, in my opinion. But, you know, through the first three weeks, they've, they've looked solid. You know, to me, they've looked like the group that we've kind of expected them to be. You know, there's certainly still more development that needs to take place there, and I think they're going to continue to get better as the season unfolds here. But, you know, it's a group that has a lot of talent. You know, it's strong up front. It's obviously strong, you know, at the back end too. And, you know, they only gave up nine points to Oakland. You know, I mean, I know they gave up yards, and, you know, that was especially apparent on that last drive, and they needed a big stop there. You know, Vince Wilford coming up with an interception. Huge interception by the big by the big man, a big interception right. from the big man up front. You know, so, I mean, they gave up yards, and, you know, they've done that a couple times at certain points in, in these first three games. But the defense is what's winning – you know, these games for them here early on. It certainly won them the game against Oakland. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, uh, to me, it looks like Brady's showing a little bit of signs of age there. Tom Brady doesn't look like uh, vintage Tom Brady. We were saying about Manning. Manning doesn't seem to have lost that much. To me, watching as a, as a Jets fan, I mean, it kind of makes me a little happy on the inside, but uh, <laughs> Tom Brady just doesn't seem entirely like himself. Not that he seems bad, just not to the level he was. Right, and I I would agree with you. I think it's a combination of, of a lot of different things with New England's offense. I think Brady's part of it, and I think that's to be expected you know I mean he's 37 he's not used by no means in his prime anymore mm-hmm. you know you're gonna see him kind of drop down a little bit every year here going forward you know until he hits 40 or whenever he decides to hang him up um I think that's only part of it though to me the offensive line and this has been the talk of of New England all week in you know in the aftermath of that Oakland game the offensive line is a mess I they can't protect him and you can't Bernie expect. Bernie does not like getting rattled. He does not like when he is rattled. No, back that's there. that's your formula to beat the Patriots is to get pressure with your front line. You know, not blitz him because mm-hmm. he has a release quick enough where he can beat the blitz. You know, and at that point, put you're pressure with your front four. Right. I mean, that's why the Giants were able to have so much success against him. You know, the the Jets have been able to do it in the past. The Ravens. You know, teams like that they get in Brady's face with just their front four, or their front three, or whatever it is, and. You know, when you have an offensive line that's as leaky as New England's is right now, you know, it, it's not necessarily taking an elite front four to, to get to him. You know, Justin Tuck, obviously a former Giant, you know, put a big hit on Brady. I think it was at some point in the third quarter mm-hmm. of that game this past weekend. And, you know, it took Brady a while to get up. I You know, we're pretty sure it was just the wind getting knocked out of him. But, but you never know. You know, he can't he can't be taking too many shots like Not that. That one was even, you know, maybe one too many. So, you know, I think that's a big part of it, too. The receiving core, I think, is a little bit, you know, part of it, too. I think some of the guys are coming along more. Julian Edelman, of course, has been a revelation over the mm. past two seasons. Uh, you know, he's Brady's guy, and it's obvious. He had something like 10 receptions in the game last week, you know, he's, he's been pretty consistent. He's had the most receptions I think of anybody in, you know, all three games so far, but you know, Gronk is still battling back from his, you know, ACL injury. So he's not quite a hundred percent. He gets better and better every week, but you know, it's still, it's a process with him. Uh, Danny Amendola has completely disappeared. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, well, Tom Brady does seem to pick, Almost his favorite guys, like you mentioned, find guys like Edelman, like Walker, and really target them. Amendola has kind of fallen off of his radar recently, and you know before no catches, just one target mm-hmm. for Amendola. Yeah, absolutely, just not exactly what you want to see as a Patriot fan. You know, he was one of your big signings, right. the guy that was supposed to come in to replace Wes Walker. Really hasn't filled those shoes. No, and to me, that's a a big. We talked about this with Manning earlier. How gr- how great he is at incorporating new receivers. And I think that's a big difference between him and Tom Brady, something that Manning does very well that Tom Brady hasn't necessarily done as well over the course of his career. You know, you look at he had a a group of really new receivers last year, and they got by. You know, they made it to the the AFC Championship game nonetheless. You know, 12-4 record, all of that. You know, division champ, by, you know, first-round by, all of that stuff. But, 
you know, you could tell that it was a struggle, especially early in the season for Brady to incorporate those guys. And that's when you saw Julian Edelman emerge, who was the only really the only guy who came back from the year before. And, you know, to me, Brady has a hard time, you know, working with receivers and being patient with them Mm -hmm. as they get to know New England's system. And as they, you know, try to establish a timing with Brady and a report with him and, you know, he, he doesn't have a lot of patience to, you know, to go through that process and to do, you know, what it takes to, to get those receivers acclimated. And I think that's manifesting itself here, you know, when, when you have a passing game that basically consists entirely mm-hmm. of Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski, you know, I mean... Makes it easy for defenses to target them. Absolutely. Well, you know, before we move on to some of the local teams, just wanted to make a note, Patrick and I definitely... Being able to focus on football has been great, but just, you know, the Ray Rice saga continues. A little note this week out of the NFL, you know, a law enforcement official says that he sent the Ray Rice video directly to the league security chief. So just another black mark on the NFL. It's good that we're starting to get back to football talk and get in to that more mode of it, but still just to keep abreast of the situation just because of the fact that it doesn't go away and all the issues the NFL has been having have just been tremendous. And it's kind of a little heartbreaking to see because I've always respected the NFL for what they've done and to see just all the different issues they've had to handle. The players coming out and how the owners and how the league has handled it haven't been the best. So hopefully they can start to rectify the situation. Let's cross our fingers for that one. But right now getting back into more football, the other local team was in action on Monday, and they're going into a short week coming up this one. And let's just say Monday night didn't fare as well for the Jets as Thursday night did for the Giants. Here's my Jet report on what happened. Coming home again. Jets are home again for the second week in a row, and they can't afford to lose this one. Just four weeks into the season, the Jets are already facing a must-win. Head coach Rex Ryan said that this team's losing streak is a bit worrisome. Well, since we're staying in a baseball type deal, in the in the NFL, it's the equivalent of a 10-game losing streak when you lose one game. So we're on a 20-game losing streak. So if if that is talks about sense of urgency, yeah, there's a huge sense of urgency. The sad fact is, this team was just a few plays here and there away from starting the season 3-0. Last week's performance from Geno Smith is one of the first that comes to mind. The Jets quarterback drove his team into the red zone six times, but only walked away with one touchdown. Still, he says it's not a regression. It's the interception, man. You watch football, it happens to every quarterback. So, you know, as far as a step back, there's no step back in any direction. People have already started clamoring for Michael Vick to take over the starting job, but unlike his counterpart in Miami, Rex put those rumors to rest. Well, for now. I look at him this way, he's our starting quarterback. And, and that's that's it. And I, say, I think the whole team sees him that way. Looking at the other side, the Jets' defense will have its hands full this week against the Lions, especially if top wide receiver Calvin Johnson plays. Megatron has missed practice this week with an ankle injury, and there's no official word on his status just yet. Still, this game comes down to the Lions. Can the defensive line put enough pressure on Matthew Stafford to knock him off of his game? Can the offensive line give Geno and the running backs time and space to make some plays and keep the Lions' high-powered offense off the field? I think they do, but barely, by a score of 27-24, mainly just because they can't afford to lose back-to-back games at home. With the... I'm Kelly Coltis, WFUV Sports. And, you know, it was a rough Monday night at MetLife Stadium. It was a really heartbreaking. I mean, just to watch... The Jets, first of all, go down 14 nothing, but then you look at all the opportunities they had, all the missed opportunities. One for six in the red zone. How do you go one for six in the red zone? That's a killer for any football team. I mean, you get that far down the field, you know, you oh. got to punch it in, at least on half of those. I mean, you're looking at a completely different game if they can just punch punch the ball in and, you know, a couple more of those those situations. So really, really frustrating for, you know, to see something like that happen. Well, absolutely, too. I mean, you come into the game, and before you really blink your eyes, uh, you're down 14 nothing. I mean, it was about 9.54 in the first quarter, and they were already down 14 nothing. and you're like, oh, okay, this game's getting out of control. Yeah. Uh, are they going to score 50? Is it going to be, you know, 50 nothing at halftime? Right. The, you, the Jets you, able to battle back then. Yeah, we talked about that with the Giants, mm-hmm. you know, how difficult it is when you get down two, three scores that quickly, you know, for the, 
for the Jets, it's the same thing. You know, I mean, at that point, you're putting a lot on Geno Smith. And, you know, I, I certainly don't trust him as much as I trust Eli Manning. And we don't even think Eli Manning can, you know, succeed in a, in a situation like that. Well, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, too, with the Jets is just they keep shooting themselves in the foot week after week. I mean, even this week, not even counting the one for six in the red zone, which is still the most, I guess, the worst figure in my mind. Yeah. It's the fact that Geno Smith started the game with the pick six, and then Jalen Saunders fumbles the punt, and they just keep shooting themselves in the foot over and over again. If they would get out of their own way, this team has a chance to be pretty good. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's the the worst thing you can do is beat yourself, and right now that's what the Jets are, are really doing. And, you know, I mean, it's it's got to be frustrating as a fan to, you know, to have to sit through that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, too. Looking at the Jets from last week, I mean, you just think about the fact that yeah, people talk about Geno Smith. He went three, 316 yards in the air. You know, he had a touchdown, but he had two interceptions. And they both were costly. It wasn't like it was one where it was like, you know, a very right. deep ball, you know, throwing up a Hail Mary ball and someone comes down with the interception. Not that big of a deal. One's in the red zone and the other one's a pick six that started the game off. Yeah, and didn't even complete half of his passes. I mean, he just he doesn't look good right now. And especially, like we said, when you get down that early, you know, it takes away from – you know, a, a pretty good rushing attack, you know, for the Jets. They're second in the NFL with 472 rushing yards, you know, but you, you can't really use utilize that when you're down 14 nothing as quickly as they were. Well, absolutely, too. And, I mean, just to take a little bit, Geno Smith did have a very rough day, believe me. He did not look good out there. But to take it, too, I mean, guys weren't helping him out. I mean, Chris Johnson, one of their big acquisitions this year, had an awful game, and he had a really bad dropped screen pass, too, that just – Gino had a right. chance that they were trying you know, make a comeback, come back, and the drop, drop the screen pass right into his hands. I mean, you can't do that. That's your safety valve. You know, your running backs and your tight ends are the safety valve for the, you know, the quarterback, especially a young one. And then to drop it, it just took it right out, took the air right out again. Right, and you know, the, kind of those check down passes, those screen mm-hmm. passes. You know, when you get down so big so early, you know, it's it's plays like that, little screen passes that you know for a quarterback get you get his confidence back you know, and get you some yards, get you moving down the field, kind of get your offense in a rhythm. When you can't even complete those, you're not going to go anywhere. And the sad part is, too, as you look at this game, you know, if someone told me before the game Brandon Marshall was going to go one for six, one one reception for six yards, I would have said, oh, great, right. the Jets are winning by a lot. This is going to be wonderful. To have to hold him down with that, that awful secondary they've had. Their secondary has been beat up. They are pulling guys, I feel like, off the street sometimes. They had a guy out there yeah. wearing Patrick Adams wearing 24 brought back, you know, right. some heartbreaking memories for me because he went the complete wrong way on the touchdown to Martellius Bennett. So yeah. that was uh, heartbreaking to watch. I remember the good old days of 24 in uh, Jets uniform. Yeah, now I'm that sure jersey you... has seen better days. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I mean, to hold Brandon Marshall to one for six and to lose, I mean, that's just even more of a dagger. Right. I mean, when you take away arguably Chicago's biggest offensive weapon and even then you're still losing by you know two possessions is I mean that's got to be frustrating for you know what is a pretty good defense you know I mean the defense for the most part here has done its part and you know for the offense to be as far behind as it is at least right now coming out of the Chicago game you know there's there's a major disconnect there that that needs to be figured out going forward well absolutely too you know the Jets this week doesn't get any easier they're kind of in one of those stretches we talked about for the Giants I mean they the, had, the Jets oh, stretch here is brutal. Absolutely. I mean, they had Aaron Rodgers in week two. Then they faced Jay Cutler week three. Matthew Stafford week four. They go out to San Diego to see Phillip Rivers next week. And then after that, they come home to see Peyton Manning. And then three days later, basically, that Thursday night, they go right. to New England. Three, four days later, they get to see Tom Brady. I mean, that is a brutal stretch they have to go through, which is why I consider this game almost a must-win already. Right. And you throw in a, a cross-country trip in there, too, when they go out to San Diego you know, I mean, that that's a lot. And then, you know, right after the cross-country trip, like you said, they're playing basically, you know, two games in the span of, what, like five days? Yeah, basically. It, I mean, that's brutal. And for all of that to be up against these these quarterbacks that you mentioned, I mean, that's just a recipe for It's like the for top disaster. five in the league minus Drew Brees, basically. <laughs> it's a perfect storm. You know, I mean, there's just it couldn't have really broken out any more difficult for the Jets here over these next couple of weeks. No, and I mean, they caught another unlucky break. I mean, Calvin Johnson missed the last two days of practice, but ESPN and a couple other websites just reported the fact that he did make practice today. So it looks like 
he'll be back. And then that's a huge mismatch for the secondary. I mean, Rex said, obviously, this week he's not going to go single coverage on Calvin Johnson, which is, you know, great to hear. I'm glad we're not going to throw someone out there by themselves named Antonio Allen or Darren Walls. Right. They don't have the personnel to be able to do that. No, gone are the days. Like I mentioned, Revis, Antonio Cromartie even kept up with him well because he was right. lanky and tall and big. I mean, Antonio Allen's been okay for what they've asked him to do. He stepped up big. He's great at tackling. Once the receivers catch the ball, there's no yards after the <laughs> completion. So, I mean, he just lets them catch it in front of them. Right. I mean, that's that, that doesn't really do anything for you either. I mean, you're still giving up yards at that point, and the other offense is getting into a rhythm. But you're right. I mean, it's good to see that they're doubling him because that's really, as far as I can see, that's really the only shot here the Jets are going to have. Like we said, they don't have anybody who they can match up one-on-one on kind of an island with with Calvin Johnson, I mean, if if you're going to do that, you know, you need to have a guy who who has the talent <laughs> oh, yes. and the shutdown ability to be able to do that, like a Darrell Revis or even a guy like Aqib Talib mm-hmm. out in Denver. And you know, the Jets right now, they're just trying to find bodies they can throw out there to make sure they have 11 guys on the field. Oh, absolutely, and I mean, that's why to me personally, this game. I mentioned in the Jets report, really comes down to the Jets' front four to front seven because, as you mentioned, you know they're going to be doing a lot of double teams, and that takes away from Rex and his elaborate blitz packages because you can't right. be sending the safeties to blitz if they're out covering Calvin Johnson. So then you're really relying on your front four to get pressure. And the question is, yes, they, they're they a very good front four. They have a lot I, of talent there. I feel like they're a slightly overrated just by the numbers so far this season. I feel like they haven't. A lot of the pressure has come from the linebackers. Demario Davis leads the team in sacks. A lot of it's come from different blitz packages. Not right. really on the sole pass rush of the front four like we mentioned against New England they need to do. That kind of stuff, we haven't seen that that much. Right. Well, this will be a good test for them because, like you said, they're they're really going to have to rely on that front four to, to get a push by themselves. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see because they're going to probably have to drop some of those linebackers back to help out in coverage. You know, and like you said, it takes away from those blitz packages. So, you know, I think they'll get a decent push. You know, I like that front four. You know, maybe they are a little bit overrated. But, you know, like I said, I've seen what they've been able to do against teams like the Patriots in the mm-hmm. past. So, you know, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they have a pretty decent day against against Detroit's this offensive line. Say, could you just imagine, though, if Matthew Stafford had all day, how long this day is going to be for the Jets in their defense? If he right. has all day to throw back there, oh, my goodness. Right, and, I mean, that's a possibility. And especially, you know, who knows how much the linebackers will even be able to help back there. You know, when you have guys, speedy guys like Calvin Johnson, Golden Tate, you know, the, it's going to be hard for, you know, if you're dropping linebackers back, it's going to be hard for those guys to keep up. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's really going to fall on that front four, I think, to, to get at Matthew Stafford and get at him quickly. Well, here's my other question, too, is looking back on the other side of the football, back to the offense. I mean, people are already calling for Michael Vick to start at quarterback, and it's week four of this season. Right. I Still a little early to me. You know, I agree. I mean, hundred percent agree. Geno Smith hasn't looked great, but he, I mean, this game against Chicago was his first, like, really bad one. Mm-hmm. You know, he I had th- a not-so-great second half against Green Bay. He had a great first half, and right. then just kind of went downhill the entire second half. Right, but, you know, you at least had the first half to go off of, mm-hmm. you know, and say that he played pretty well. And, you know, that's a game on the road against, you know— what I think is a bit of an overrated Packers team, but is still, you know, an established all this year. You know, NFL team. You know, so I'm willing to let that one slide, you know, especially in week two. Um, you know, to me this Chicago game is the first really bad game he's played. So, you know, from start to finish. So let's see what he does this week. You know, if if he strings, you know, one or two more of these bad games together, then we'll start taking a look at Michael Vick and seeing if maybe mm-hmm. we you know they need something to to jumpstart this offense, and maybe you know it'll be bringing Vic in. But I, to me, I still think it's too early for that. The, the scenario that's been interesting to me because I'd never even thought about this kind of scenario is bringing him in almost as in a closer role. Whereas if the Jets get down, say say they're down by fourteen points, and you come around to late in the third quarter, and Geno's just not moving the ball. Do you make a switch to Michael Vick and then give it back to Geno the next week after that? I mean, that's been tossed around a little bit. And, you know, Rex addressed in his press conference said something along the lines of the fact that, yeah, you know, I trust Michael Vick to close games. I trust him to win games while we, you know, signed him as a backup quarterback, right. which is obviously, you know, the standard company line. But it's a very interesting scenario that you really don't ever see in the NFL. Yeah, it's intriguing. I don't know that it would work just because I don't know how that dynamic would be. You know, I mean. How would Geno feel? Right. Vick may win you the game. But then, you know, you're going to trot Geno Smith right out there, you know, for the next week and, and have him start. And, you know, as Rex Ryan sit there and pat him on the back and say, yep, Geno, you're our guy. Go out there and start and, you know, win us next, win us this game next week. You know, I mean, I don't see how that would work. You know, it might win him a game here and there with, with Vic, you know, bringing mm-hmm. him back. 
but I, to me, they it would they wouldn't be winning enough to to make that worth it at all. No, I don't think so either. I think that Geno Smith, this is his team right now. I think that the guys have responded to him. I don't think it's entirely his fault. I think his biggest problem is he needs to stop, like I said before, shooting himself in the foot. Stop right. with the costly turnovers. Yeah, I mean that's the like we said that that's the biggest you know Achilles heel for this team right now, and it's the quickest way to to lose games and you know especially to string losses together is to you know beat yourself, and that starts with Geno Smith. You're right. So. I mean, like I said, he's really only had this one horrific game. You know, I, I think he'll come out and have a better week this week. You know, I think we'll all Jet fans happens. around the world certainly hope that he comes out and has a better week. I think the thing is, too, is, you know, he needs to – obviously, we keep glossing over the one for six in the red zone. I think that that is such a killer. And against a team like Matthew right. Stafford and Calvin Johnson and Golden Tate, and you bring in, you know, Pettigrew at the tight end position, and Reggie Bush out of the backfield, I mean, you have all these different guys – it's it's a little scary to think about having them on the field. So I think the Jets need to really rely on their rushing attack almost to speak as well to maybe limit yeah. the damage done there. Maybe the fact, you know, the longer he's off the field, the longer Matthew Stafford's on the bench, the better it is for Jets. The that's, Jets, def- the that's, Jets the way, that's the way to beat any, you know, prolific offense and the way to limit, you know, some of those high-powered weapons that a team like Detroit has is to keep them off the field. So, you know, and the way you do that is when you have the ball as the Jets, right. Take your time. Take yeah, your time. Take your time, and you do that by running the football. And they have the running and attack. And not being down 17 nothing. Right, and they have the rushing attack, I think, where they could they could do that if, you know, if they don't get down so early in the game. I would love to see some more of Bilal Powell because they didn't bring him in until the fourth quarter last week. And they, right. I mean, they have, don't get me wrong, Chris Ivory had a tremendous game. Chris Johnson looked kind of not that great last week the week before he looked a little bit better but I think that he brings a different dimension too especially on third down he's a great back great back to have in there picks up the blitzes very well great little security blanket for Geno Smith I think having him out there plus they've had the chemistry too they've been around each other a lot longer than Geno Smith has with some of his other weapons as well yeah I mean it might even just be a good change of pace you know Mm -hmm. you're rotating three guys through there you know change up the looks a little bit you know each one you know has certain things that they do well you know, that might go a long way toward, you know, keeping that rushing attack fresh and being able to sustain it over the course of the whole game. And the last thing about the Jets before we move on to the next segment is Eric Decker's health is a little bit worrisome. And we already know D. Milner's out for this week, basically. I mean, they've kind of already said that. I mean, so we're not expecting him to come back. But Eric Decker and this lingering hamstring problem, that's not good for all the big-time number one wide receiver money that he got this offseason. Right, and he's a guy that I think would help Geno Smith a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, to have him back, you know. Veteran I, I, wide receiver. Absolutely. I saw him make some big catches mm-hmm. in that first game against Oakland. You know, he's a guy that that Geno Smith really needs right now. And the sooner he comes back, you know, you might start to see Geno Smith play a little bit better. They said he might be back this week. We'll see. Let's put it this way. If I had Eric Decker, I would not be starting him in fantasy. But right now we're going to bring in our Luke Palmer to tell us who he would start in fantasy. It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the best picks around the NFL? Plus, start them and sit them to help you win your league. All right, so as I mentioned, Luke, I have to ask, you know, who right now, who are we looking at to start this week in fantasy? What's going on, guys? So right now for my all-stud team, um, I've got <laughs> I've got a few guys, actually. At quarterback, I've got Phillip Rivers going against the Jaguars. I have so. him. Oh, Patrick's yes. very happy right now. You Peyton just Manning's made his on day. by. I got to put Phillip Rivers in. That's awesome news. <laughs> How did you get both of them? I don't know. I got I got Rivers late too. It was Solid third to last, second to last Solid round. Goodness. Um, I mean, he's going against the Jags defense, which uh, it goes without saying. At <laughs> home, they're awful. Um, and then also I've got Drew Brees. Um, I just think that he's going to lead the uh, the league this week in fantasy points. He's going against wow, the Cow- lead the league. Yeah, he's he's wow. going against the Cowboys D, which last year. Last year, statistically, uh, was one of the worst ever in uh, NFL history. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that what Breeze is going to do, he's going to pass around, get all his receivers and his running backs in the uh, in the pass game and just be outstanding this week. Um, as far as running backs go, I've got, again, Donald Brown, another Chargers guy, uh, going against the Jaguars. Um, and I've got Le'Veon Bell, who's – been doing outstanding so far he's looked really good yeah he's he's avoided the sophomore slump which has really affected guys like eddie lacy zach stacy yeah. um and i think that he's just gonna continue it this week um at wide receivers i've got a couple guys i've got 
Vincent Jackson. I think he's going to emerge this week. Oh, I like that's an interesting yeah. pick. That's not someone I would have thought of at all. I mean, I think I think that now with Mike Glennon replacing Josh McCown at quarterback, I think that you know he was Vincent Jackson was Glennon's favorite target last year, and I think that he's going to emerge this this week and be the guy who he was last year and the year before, especially when he hmm. signed that big contract with the Bucks. I'm sure, Tampa Bay'd love to hear that from you. <laughs> Um, and then last I've got uh, Alshon Jeffrey, um, who, you know, it's going to be a big matchup this week. Packers-Bears, big rivalry, and I think that's going to be a great game. The reason why he's going to do good this year, I think, is because that that secondary isn't good. Um, it's not it's decent, but it's not great. And when you look at such a dynamic duo with Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey, uh, they got to focus on one guy. And with Brandon Marshall's recent success, Alshon Jeffrey had a good game last week. But Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> he is Brandon Marshall, and I think they're going to focus on him freeing up Alshon Jeffrey to make plays and get some TDs. What do you think of Marshall? Because he's listed as questionable right now with that ankle. You know, I don't know if you know the odds of him playing or not. If he doesn't, would, how does that affect what you think of Alshon Jeffrey this week? If he doesn't, I think, yeah, if he doesn't play, I think Alshon's going to run into some some big trouble. I think that they're just going to double-team him and cover him. The guy in that case who would emerge, I think, and who has been emerging is Martellus Bennett, Bennett. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's just been catching a TD every week, it seems like. Um, and I think that either way that pass game's going to succeed. I mean, it hurts Alshon Jeffrey's value. I think he's going to get some catches if Mar- Marshall is injured. But uh, I think he's just going to have a solid game all around. Um, then at tight end, I'm not sure if uh, you guys have noticed, he's kind of been a little bit of a sleeper. His name's Dwayne Allen, Andrew Luck's second favorite target. Um, okay. He seems every week to just grab a touchdown at the tight end position. Um, and this year, especially with the tight ends, uh, it's been tough. And this guy's definitely someone solid, especially during the bye week, who I think is going to have a good good game, grab a TD pass, and be that workhorse of that offense. Um, and uh, for all the defenses out there, there's a lot of top Ds on the on the bye um, between Denver and uh, uh, Seattle. But um, I think Carolina, and I know, Pat, you said before the break, Carolina is the underdog. Yeah, uh, they are. They are against the Ravens, which is really surprising to me. I don't know if I would yeah, I don't know I, if I agree with that line or not, not my uh, top choice. At Baltimore's all, at home, so I think that's that, the reason. But that might be part of it. Yeah, I mean, I think that Carolina, you know, you can't deny Luke Keekley. Uh, I know Greg Hardy's on on the commissioner's list for not playing, but uh, just overall, uh, I think that defense, it is a top fantasy D. I think they're going to emerge this year. That's what they're known for, certainly. That's one of their strengths as a team. Yeah. Absolutely. And do you think the fact that, you know, the Ravens now, Steve Smith coming back to town, you think they're going to square off against him a little bit there? <laughs> I think I think that's motivating them this week. Um, not sure if you guys saw uh, earlier this week, D'Angelo Williams was in the locker room wearing uh, sea goggles, and he says <laughs> it's going to be all blood and guts oh. this week. Oh, my <laughs> oh, goodness. I did not so, see that. Oh, boy. <laughs> So I, I think that that entire team's just amped up, especially Steve Smith, who he used to be the captain, and he's got that rah-rah mentality of the team. Uh, he used to be, you know, that guy leading them every week. And uh, I think that it's a, it's a good it's a good rivalry. Um, it's in – not good rivalry, but it's in good state of competition. Obviously, there's not going to be any blood and guts. But you know they want to get <laughs> that win against, against their former captain. But uh, as far as – so. I just said my all-stud team. I've got an all-dud team as well. Oh, oh I, like oh, I want to see this one <laughs> I like now. This. Pat, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to have to rain on my parade a little bit. Yeah. Tom Brady is on my all-dud team. He'd probably be on mine, too, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. This is the thing. Tom Brady, obviously, is one of the best quarterbacks in the game, and he's, but he's at this state in his career where he knows how to win a game, and that's what he's going to focus on. He's not going to do it for the yards or the touchdowns. He's going right. to do it for the team. And obviously, you know, everybody knows him as a top QB and what most fantasy players do is they draft him as their quarterback, even though his numbers don't really support fantasy numbers don't really support that claim. Right. But obviously, he's one of the best quarterbacks. um, And I just don't think he's going to have a good week this week. Um, I I would tend to agree with you. I don't I couldn't see myself starting him if I had him on my team until I see a lot more out of him. And absolutely, too. And I think you mentioned an interesting point before, Pat, when you were talking about the Patriots. It's a little hard for Tom Brady to do a lot when he's rushing around back there and or on his back. It's really hard for a quarterback to put up numbers in that way. Right. He doesn't have the help right now, and that's another thing that I would have to see before he'd become a, vi- he'd become a viable fantasy option for me. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now, Kelly, I'm sorry. I just ran it on past Oh, grade. no. You're torturing oh, both of God. us today. <laughs> the Jets are up next, and I've got Chris Johnson. Uh, I agree on with you on that one, too. Absolutely. I mentioned that before. He did not look good last week. I don't know what it was with him, but they've been feeding Chris Ivory the ball in my mind. Yeah, uh, Chris Ivory has emerged in that offense, and uh, he's been putting up the numbers, taken away from Chris Johnson. And if people still have him, I know. The kid I'm playing against in my my league this week has him, so I'm looking. You're pretty happy I'm about pretty, that, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, if if you do have him, put him on the bench, or I would say even drop him uh, if wow. you have somebody better. Wow, right, that's strong words there from Luke. <laughs> um, and then for wide receivers, uh, this is going to come as a surprise, especially Eagles fans, but uh, Jeremy Macklin, who's been tearing it up lately uh, at wide receivers, the top five fantasy really? points. I think wow, on the dud team. Yeah, and uh, some big claims here. <laughs> he's going against the San Francisco D, and the F- San Francisco D, who's they're actually also on my uh, all dud team, but we'll get to that <laughs> later. <laughs> Contradicting yourself here. <laughs> but um, the thing I I think what's going to happen is he's obviously he's going to get double teams, and the San Francisco secondary uh they've been doing a very decent job um as far as passing comes and uh i think that you know overall they're gonna they're gonna shift it the eagles to Lashawn mccoy in that offense um and get him the ball especially after last week's poor performance um and then at tight end i've got jason Witten, who i have him on my fantasy team and it's just been awful oh, he no. hasn't been in his prime and he's He's the type of guy who's a volume guy. And if Tony Romo's not getting him the ball, he's not going to get get that volume. He's not necessarily touchdown dependent. Right. Um, and I, I think he's just going to have an, another awful week. Um, and then lastly for defense, I've got the 49ers, who they've been struggling I lately. Have them. And the thing is... Well, we're written on your parade a lot today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and I, the thing is, like... I don't think they're going to do terrible. I think that the odds just aren't in their favor. They could do great, and they could shut down the Eagles, or they could just blow the game and let up 38 points. Uh, it, it really all depends and on Chip Kelly and how his team does and how they uh, come to this game. So if you do have a backup defense with a better, uh, better matchup, I would say start them. All right, we have the all-stud, the all-dud team from Luke. Some great insight into fantasy, and you brought up some really interesting matchups, which we're going to get to right about now. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. I love the NFL music. This gets me so, so pumped pumped up and ready to go. Exactly. So starting with the Jets and Detroit, we did a lot of talking about that. You know what? I'm going to pick last on all these. So, Luke, we're going to go to you. Jets versus Detroit at MetLife Stadium. Which one takes it? I've got the Jets this week. Wow. All righty, Patrick. I'm going to go with the Jets, too. This is the type of game that they win a lot, a game at home. You know, maybe against a team that's on paper a little bit better than them. I thought that would have happened last week at Chicago, against Chicago, and I was wrong. Maybe it'll happen this week. I'm going Jets. All right, behind the glass, Tara, our engineer. Who do we have this week, Jets or Detroit? I'm taking Detroit. Brendan? I got to go with Detroit. All right, so right now I think we're split. You said Detroit, correct? I mean, you said the Jets, right, I did. Patrick? I said the you Jets. and Luke had the Jets. You two in the back both at Detroit. I have to stick with the Jets, as I said in my Jets report. There you go. They, uh, they kill me every week, but you know what? We're going to keep supporting them. they got to get 2-2 two and two this week. So <laughs> there's game one. Game two, Patrick's team this time, New England versus Kansas City. Luke, we'll start with you again. Patriots or the Chiefs? i got to go New England this week. Tom Brady knows how to win a game. And then, Patrick, we taking your boys or not? Yeah, I'm going to go New England as well. It's not necessarily the most confident in my picks this week, <laughs> but you know what? They're still winning games. Until they start losing, I'm going to stick with them. Tara, are you aligning with Patrick and uh, Luke and going with the Patriots? Yeah, I agree with Pat. Until they start, until they start losing games, I'm going to go with them. Brendan? I can never bet against Tom Vady. He's my Oh, my I boy, wish we so had a New England. drop from last year. One of our guys used to always say, never bet against Tom Brady. But I am going to bet against Tom Brady. I'm taking the Chiefs this week. I am going with the Chiefs on Monday night. I think uh, they're going to take this one a little upset here against New England. All righty, so moving on now to a really interesting game, division rivalry, the Green Bay Packers versus the Chicago Bears. Luke, who you got in this one? I'm going to go I'm gonna go bear down on this one. All righty. Patrick, Jay Cutler, Aaron Rodgers, who are we going with? I'm going with Cutler. I agree with Luke. I, I like what I've seen out of Chicago so far. You know, uh, Green Bay to me, I said it earlier, I think they're a bit overrated. I'm going with Chicago at home. 
Any uh, cheese heads behind the glass there, Tara? Green Bay or Chicago? Yeah, I'm going Green Bay because Ooh. I think Chicago is a bit overrated. I'm not going to bet against Aaron Rodgers. Brendan? I'm going with Chicago at home. I just feel like, I just feel like they're going to win that home. I think we're going to leave Tara on an island for this one. I'm taking Chicago as well. Jay Cutler, Matt Forte, that's who won me my fantasy league last year. So I have a little alliance to them. So I got to stick with them this week as well. And then we go on to the fourth game on our list, New Orleans versus Dallas. This is a really, really interesting matchup. Drew Brees against that Dallas defense. Luke, who you got? I got the Saints. Drew Brees is going to tear it up this week. Patrick, who you got in this one? I'm going with the Saints, too. I don't no Tony think, Romo? No, it's not as easy a pick as it would be if it were in New Orleans. I think the fact that it's in Dallas makes it a little more intriguing, but I'm going New Orleans. I don't trust Dallas at all right now. Tara, Tony Romo, love or none? No, absolutely not. Drew Brees against the Dallas defense. New Orleans all the way. Brendan, New Orleans or Dallas, you going with everyone here? Uh, I got to agree. I, I don't trust Dallas right now, so I got to go with New Orleans on the road. Oh, boy, across the board, we're all going with New Orleans here. Drew Brees again. This is going to be – that'll be an interesting one if that comes down and bites all five of us. Yep. And then the last game on the list, Philadelphia versus San Francisco. This game is another interesting one to me. This is, you know, 4 o'clock afternoon game out in ni- out of the Niners stadium. Luke, who you got in this matchup? I'm going 49ers. Colin Kaepernick's going to have a great game this week. Oof, LaShawn McCoy, you're not going to go that side. LaShawn McCoy, Darren Sproles, Patrick? I'm going to ride the hot hand and go with Philly. You know, I liked San Francisco going into the year, but I've gone sour on them a little bit. Philly's on a roll. Give me the Eagles. Tara City, your brotherly love for you. Are you going with the 49ers? i got to agree with Luke here. I Ooh. think... San Francisco wins it. Brendan, how about you? I gotta go with Philadelphia. I think they're gonna do a go down by ten again and just come back and win it. <laughs> He's gonna keep doing it all year. Absolutely. Once again, splitting it for me, guys, making this difficult. But uh, I gotta go break with the tie. I know I gotta break the tie all the time. But uh, I'm gonna go with Philadelphia on this one. I really like what I've seen from them after they came back from that 17-0 deficit. I like the way Philadelphia's looked. Their offense is great. Their defense needs some work. But San Francisco hasn't been that tremendous. Uh, as of recent and you know now we're gonna go to our upset picks don't worry i got you patrick's trying to tell me i forgot about the upset picks i don't forget about the upsets around here so luke i gotta start with you it's your first time nfl friday who's your upset pick so buffalo over houston all righties patrick who you got uh ugh. I think I'm going to have to go with Minnesota over You stole Atlanta. my pick. I'm gonna, oh. There aren't a lot of good ones. Uh-huh. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I got it. I got it. I, I'm going to go I'm gonna go big here. I'm going to go Tampa Bay over Pittsburgh. Wow. Okay. Patrick Murray getting any field goals while you're at it. Yes. There we go. Three for three. I like that odds. I like them. Behind the glass, Tara, who you guys are upset? Well, I was going to do um, Buffalo, but then I remembered Blake Bortles is starting for Jacksonville this weekend. I'm a huge fan. Oh, that's, uh, that's Trump's your upset. I think yeah. he might spark the team enough that they get the win in San Diego. Wow, that's a huge one, Tara. That is a huge upset pick. Brendan, your turn. I'm going to go with Carolina over Baltimore. I'm a, I'm a pretty big uh, Cam Newton Cam fan, Newton so fan. I think he's going to pull it off. Alrighties, and as for myself, like you heard me allude to before, I'm going with Teddy Bridgewater in his first game against the Falcons. The game is in Minnesota, which helps in my mind. So I think that, you know what, Matt Castle's gone, Teddy Bridgewater in. I liked him from his days at Louisville. He's taking it here. So there we have it for, you know, this week, an NFL Friday for some huge upsets. I am. All right, these upsets. You and Tara, your upset picks got Go big or go home, man. I can see that. Absolutely. I like Brendan a little more conservative here. You know, Carolina over Baltimore. I still don't really know why Baltimore is a bigger favorite. I have that at like a pick'ems for that game. Yeah, three and a half seems like a little That's what I was saying, too. I think Carolina can put up some points on the Ravens. They're not as good as they used to be. Mm -hmm. They're not, yo, they're not as, uh, not what I was expecting at all, too, you know. Just looking at some of the other games, and we touched on them briefly. The Bucks and the Steelers is a really interesting game. Now that you brought that up, I had to look down and look at my uh, my handy-dandy little paper right here. And it's that's a little scary game. I mean, Luke's pretty high on them, too. Had Vincent Jackson having a big game. That kind of works in your favor. Yeah, it's in Pittsburgh, too. So, And they're coming off that huge win on the road at Carolina on Sunday night. You know, that... To me, that's a big upset. It'd be a big upset if Tampa could go in there and, and, and pull that off. I don't think it was a bigger upset, though, than the Chargers falling at home to Jacksonville. I mean, that would be 
That'd be mind-blowing. If I was watching that game, that would be absolutely out. I'd be out of my mind if I watched that. Yeah, I don't know if I would believe what I was watching if, if that actually happened. Because <laughs> I'm pretty high in the, chi- the Chargers this I year. Am like, too. I think they're going to the playoffs. I think I can see them doing a lot. So to lose to Jacksonville, that would just crush all my hopes and dreams yeah. for them. And then, you know, looking at quickly some of the other ones, the Colts matchup against the Titans. The Titans look kind of like a mess in my mind. That looks a little messy right now. Jake Locker, we're not sure what's going on with him. Sprained wrist right now. Yeah, they're just there's. They're just kind of in a, a constant decline right now. Here's a fun question for you. Who's the backup for the Titans? I had to look this up the other day because uh, I wasn't sure. I wouldn't even know where Charlie Whitehurst. Oh, really? Oh, I, yes. I knew he was a backup somewhere. I didn't know it was in Tennessee. Yeah, but Indy, too, I think this is, you know, they've gone through a stretch here. You know, they played Jacksonville last week and won big. And, oh, yes. you know, now they are they have another chance to win big here against Tennessee after an 0-2 start. So I think you're seeing Indianapolis get healthy a little bit here and, you know, they're going to get on a roll. Well, considering two people were saying the AFC is the weaker division, I mean, you see some of these t- teams starting to step up, like San Diego, like Indianapolis, yeah. some of the really non-powerhouse teams you were thinking about. It's a lot more wide open, I think, after Denver. You know, at the beginning of the year, I was it was, you know, Denver, New, Denver England, New England, I think, and then everyone else. You know, now I'm not so sure about New, New England. England anymore. But, you know, regardless, after Denver, you know, there's really, you know, no real definitive – best team after that you know there's no legit number two at least this early so you know maybe it'll be new england maybe it could be indianapolis that's a team that i think if new england falters was gonna you know Mm -hmm. step up and take that spot but they started zero and two so you know you've got cincinnati sitting there who's three and oh you know a lot of people are saying that they're maybe the best team in that conference so you know it's 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 wide open you know and it's still early but Still a lot uh, a lot of interesting things in that in that AFC. Well, you know, really interesting week four coming up. You know, this great NFL Friday was a great show with everyone here. I'd like to take a moment to thank Tara, our engineer for the day, Brendan behind the glass, two of them doing flawless as usual. And I guess we could call him our supervising producer, Anthony Pusick, walked in a little bit late, but he's supervisor of a lot of things here at one-on-one. Uh, Luke Palmer with the fantasy. Great job by him. Always a great time hosting with Patrick Burns. For everyone here, I'm Kelly Coltis, and you know, guys, it's a great one. Be tuned to your TVs on Sunday, because believe me, you're going to want to enjoy this Sunday. This has been One on One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as we take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.